Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I didn't talk about this to anybody until I was 50. And I didn't tell my family, I didn't tell my husband, I didn't tell my friends. I've kept this to myself because people would call you crazy. This is so personal, I mean, who wants to go up to somebody and say, hey, yeah, I think aliens may have gestated something in my body. That sounds nuts. If you happen to see an unknown object traveling across the sky, who would you tell about it? Your family? Your friends? Maybe your coworkers? Would you post about it on social media? But what if you believe that you were actually taken by otherworldly beings? Who would you want to tell then? You're about to meet a man who has spent years investigating reports of direct alien contact, and a woman who recently shared her remarkable encounters with him. She has agreed to tell her story publicly on this podcast for the very first time. I'm Steve French, and this is Unsolved Mysteries, Alien Abduction in Indiana. I worked in state hospitals, experimental programs, halfway houses, court systems with juveniles. But when you have somebody who says, I had an alien come visit me in my room, sometimes there's some really amazing things that pop out. John Boudry's is not your typical retiree. He began his career working in the mental health field and has held jobs that range from making models for toy companies to negotiating contracts for the U.S. Army. But after his retirement in 2010, John fell into a role that is truly unique. He volunteers as an investigator and counselor for people who have reported experiencing an alien abduction. I've talked to probably hundreds of experiencers, as they're known, and so I get regular referrals of people that wanted to talk to someone about these experiences they've had and it would remain completely confidential. I'll have pretty wide-ranging conversations with people about not only their alien experience, but 
other metaphysical topics, spiritual topics, psychic topics. We'll talk for hours just because there's such a relief to be able to finally talk to someone after holding it in for all these years for fear of ridicule, for wondering themselves, am I crazy? Do I have some form of madness? It's a gnawing concern throughout their lives. John's professional experience with counseling sets him apart from many paranormal investigators. But like others in the field, he's been fascinated by UFOs and unexplained phenomenon from the time he was very young. Got interested in metaphysical topics back in junior high. My first book was Charles Fort, Book of the Damned. I just inhaled that. Rains of frogs, ghosts, ESP, flying saucers. But about maybe high school or so, UFOs got kind of boring. It was one more light in the sky, one more zigzagging object. But I often say, if you want to know where these aliens are from, what they're doing here, what their craft are like, why don't you ask somebody that's been on board? And that's the experiencers. People who believe they've experienced alien abduction don't have photos or videos to back up their claims. John is tasked with distinguishing episodes that could be genuine alien contact from the hoaxes and hallucinations that are all too common in this field. There's a lot of crap out there. There's a whole lot of people making stuff up for publicity. But there's so much good information. There's so much really good, solid stuff. There's some physical evidence. This is a very real phenomena, and I think it's a very fascinating phenomena, and it makes a very convincing case. Over the years, John has heard stories about a wide array of alien encounters. Although no two experiences are identical, he has found similar details that run through the cases he believes to be credible. The people I talk to that have had an experience, it's usually more than one experience, but often they don't remember. They say, I think I've had more than one, but I don't know, I'm not certain. There's been weird things that have happened to me throughout my life. You start to poke and scratch a little bit at the story and like all kinds of stuff starts coming out. John has come to believe that the way a person's senses behave during an alien abduction can differentiate the encounter from a dream. A gentleman, actually a very educated person, he was going for his PhD. And he contacted our group, wanted to talk to someone because, well, he thought this experience was probably a vivid dream. And he was curious about it. He said, well, I was laying in bed and these beings came, these alien beings took me on board a ship, put me in a what seemed to be like a barber's or dentist chair. And I thought, okay, that's typical. You know, and there were aliens around them doing something to them. The typical greys, they seemed to be. And I said, well, can you describe them a little bit, you know? And he said, well, I, I really couldn't see them that well because they didn't have my glasses on. And I said, I don't think you need to put your glasses on in your dreams to see clearly. And he said, you know, you're right. I said, I don't think that was a dream. One report that John received from an elderly woman involves not only her senses, but also physical evidence of the encounter. She had been taken when she was really young, told me of being taken on board a craft, and there was an alien that you know, was looking in her mouth, 
And she said, like any five-year-old at the dentist's office, I bit down on his finger. I said, what? You bit down on his finger? Oh my God, what did it feel like? She said, well, really it wasn't like bony in the inside. It was more like soft cartilage. Wow, I said, that's really an interesting piece of information. And at that point, it was time to go back. So they took her back, they floated her through the air back to her home. And as she passed by a tree, she said she reached out and grabbed some green leaves off the tree. The next morning, she woke up in her bed and thought, wow, is that all a weird dream or what? And she pulled back her blankets and underneath were green leaves. John has also observed that experiencers who see unexplained lights often have no memory of what occurs afterwards. These episodes of missing time can sometimes stretch for several hours, and in many cases, falling asleep is not a plausible explanation. There's a number of times when people are taken from a moving vehicle. One case that really astounds me is a couple. They were truck drivers. And the husband was driving. They knew that they were about 20 minutes away from their destination. And the woman looked down at the clock. She was in the passenger seat. And it was one o'clock in the morning. And she looked up and saw a bright light rapidly approaching their truck. And the next thing she knew, both of them were like, whoa, what just happened? They were kind of like shook themselves awake, like, whoa, what, what the heck was that? Still barreling down the highway, with the semi-trailer, and she looked down at the clock, it was now two o'clock. So the aliens had come and, and what? Taken them from the truck? Taken the entire truck? Lifted it off the highway? Did no one notice? Did they get plopped back down exact same spot an hour later? I mean, the whole concept is like bizarre. Many experiencers spend years wondering if their alien contact was actually real or just a bizarre dream. John has helped many gain unique insight into their encounters while also providing the support they need to process what they've experienced. I have never seen a craft myself. I am not a UFO hunter or a ufologist, if I have that term correct, but I've seen orbs. I've seen these lights over the lake, and I have my experiences. In November of 2021, the woman you just heard spoke in confidence with John Boudrys about what she believes are repeated episodes of alien contact spanning more than 30 years. She is sharing her story publicly for the first time in the hope it may help others struggling with similar experiences. We will refer to her as Susie to protect her privacy. I was about 15. It was a good time. The beach was the thing and the place to be. That's where everybody hung out. We would spend enormous amounts of time on the water day and night. It wasn't unusual for me not to even come home. I would maybe come home and shower and get something to eat. And then we were right back out on the beach. It was fun. In the 1960s and 70s, Susie was a typical teenager growing up in northern Indiana. For her and other kids in the community, gazing out across the vast expanse of Lake Michigan was part of most every summer day. However, in the evenings, after the sun set and the sky filled with stars, beachgoers often found themselves looking across the water at a different spectacle. 
mysterious colored lights that appeared over the lake. They were not necessarily lights flying over. They were lights going in and out of the water. You might see something slowly coming up out of the water and just zipping off into the sky. But if it was the other way around and it seemed like they were going into the water, it would almost be as if they just appeared and just slowly went down into the water. It was soundless. Most of the time they appeared to be like orange in color, sometimes either lighter or brighter, but they weren't green, they weren't red. It was like yellow or orange. There was never a splash. We could never see a wake or any kind of ripple effect that would indicate they were close. It wasn't a boat, it wasn't a plane, it wasn't a cargo ship. We were all very familiar with those. It was just single lights coming in and out of the water. No one could explain what these strange lights were or where they came from, but no one seemed curious enough to investigate. The lights were a common occurrence and not something anyone worried about. I know that the whole community knew about it. When we would be on the lake and the old men were smelt fishing, they knew about them, they talked about them, and they weren't concerned either. I just kind of always assumed, like probably most of us did, that yeah, this is probably not of this earth, but it was so non-threatening that it's weird to explain how everybody just kind of didn't talk about it. I mean, we talked about it when it, while it was happening, you know, there they are again, do you see that? But it wasn't a subject of conversation or something, you know, you would want to run home and tell your parents because it was just that common. It was just kind of generally understood that it was not something of this planet. Susie never thought the strange, otherworldly lights over the lake were connected to her in any real way. It wasn't until the night of her first abduction experience that the possibility even entered her mind. I use the word experience because there's so many things that I did not see to, I guess in my own head, call it an abduction. Nothing was odd about the evening. It was summertime. And my windows of my bedroom kind of lit up and my whole wall disappeared. I couldn't see anything around me. It was very bright. And the next thing I knew, I could hear the crickets and the frogs and I could smell the outdoors. Susie's home backed up to a swampy bog and on humid summer evenings, the smells from it drifted across her property. However, her windows stayed closed during the summer when her family used the air conditioning, so Susie shouldn't have been aware of the smells from inside her bedroom. There were very distinct smells, very earthy, rich forest smells. Smells that, that you just don't forget. I was aware of the smells and the sounds, even though I thought it was a dream. The brilliant lights make it difficult for Susie to see anything around her, but she's certain she's no longer in her bedroom. 
Instead of in her bed, she's now laying on a table, and she's not alone. I could not see anything but silhouetted figures because of the brightness of this light. I was not afraid. And again, the whole time was thinking, why are you not afraid? You should be afraid. And I saw like this ball-shaped blob and it was being presented to me just as if when you have a baby, the first thing they do is lay that baby up on your chest so you can see it. As if, here, look at this. The blob is the only thing Susie is able to see clearly. She still remembers it in vivid detail. It was like a small, gray, football-sized, slimy ball, but was a living thing. You could see that it had eyes. You could see that it was breathing, and it was wrinkled and had rolls, like rolls of fat along its edges. It was most definitely a living thing. Susie's last memory is of this strange, slimy little creature. She can't discern how long the experience lasted. All she knows is that at no point did she ever feel afraid. When the sun came up the next morning, her mind was still racing from what she believed was a bizarre dream. When I woke up, I felt like, wow, that was a really, really weird dream. And I'm trying to recall this dream. And there is slime, a clear slime on my bed. In my dream, the blob was covered in the same clear slime. It was not on me. It was not on my pajamas. It was just on my bed. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners Adidas, Expedia, and Ray-Ban. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for travel deals and home electronics. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey, Unsolved Mysteries listeners. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for family members, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with Gift Mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for my fitness fanatic sister. 
Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Was the strange experience Susie had that night more than just a dream? In addition to the puddle of slime on her bed, she also can't explain why she woke up with her pajama pants on backwards and inside out. Susie considers telling her parents what happened, but decides against it. Her family is very religious, and she's afraid of how they might react. Instead, she tries to forget about what happened, telling herself it was just a product of her imagination. I thought it was a dream. I just wrote it off as a dream. Ended up being a dream that never went away. It never changed. It always remained the same. Not one memory of that dream has ever changed. Nothing. As Susie gets older, she experiences this same abduction dream several more times and sometimes has flashbacks even when she's wide awake. Peculiar things continue to happen. Some are easy to explain away, like waking up in the morning with her head at the foot of her bed or her pajamas on inside out. Others, like one experience she had in her 30s, are much harder for Susie to dismiss. I could not sleep. And I had made myself a cup of tea and I went out to the porch swing to drink the tea. We had just recently moved on to the property. It was a large piece of property and I saw an orb. It was just past our field and it looked like it was on the edge of the woods. And it was kind of just going up and down, side to side. And it kind of just stayed in this frame, if you will, of the pillars on the porch, the roof of the porch, the floor of the porch. And I watched it and I was trying to pay close attention because we had trouble with poachers. So I was trying to figure out if it was somebody with a flashlight, if it was somebody with a headlamp, if it was somebody setting up a deer stand. I was completely fixated on this light to pinpoint exactly what it was. The next thing I realized is it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm still sitting on the porch swing and I haven't drank any of my tea. And I don't know what the heck has happened. I've lost four hours. I went out at 11 o'clock and I woke up and it was a little after three. And I have no idea. I could not have fallen asleep. I was holding my mug, leaning forward. My elbows were on my knees. I was focused on this light. And then it was three o'clock in the morning. Susie has no clue what happened during the four hours she rocked in her porch swing. If she had fallen asleep, then why hadn't she spilled her tea? The cup in her hand was still full and the tea was completely cold. She also has no explanation for the mysterious orb she saw. The next morning, I walked out there. There was nothing. There was nothing. No deer stand. There was no anything. And where I saw the light, if anybody was there, they couldn't have been there and had that light go as far up as it did. It was right on the tree line, and it probably went maybe three or four feet past the tree line, and it just dropped off into a great big ravine. There was no person out there that night. 
Bizarre happenings continue to follow Susie on and off over a span of more than 30 years. Her original abduction dream recurs several times during that period, with every detail remaining identical to when she first experienced it at age 15. That is, until one night in the spring of 2020. At a different home in southern Indiana, Susie is laying in bed, struggling to sleep, when she has an experience that changes everything she believes. I was 50 years old when this last experience happened to me. It was similar to the dream I had when I was 15. The same thing happened with the windows. They lit up and the whole wall disappeared. And I could smell and hear the outdoors of where I live now, which is completely different as to where I lived then. It was very bright where it was silhouettes and just the hands and the blob. And it was almost peaceful. Like, I should be familiar with this. I should know who this is or what this is. It was a very peaceful feeling of familiarity. The experience is almost identical to Susie's previous abduction dreams. But this time, after seeing the strange blob creature, a different silhouetted figure steps forward and reaches out to her. I had the experience of my hand being coupled with another being's hand. This hand was cool. It was white. There were no fingernails. It felt rubbery or like silicone. When I felt it, it startled me and I jerked away. But when I jerked away, it snapped. Like there was a resistance, like it was holding on to my hand. And I think I started to kind of realize what was going on and woke up. I immediately became fearful because it was something that I actually physically felt. It wasn't just something that I could have, maybe I dreamt it. I felt this, this was very real. And when I jerked away and woke up, is when I realized that what happened when I was 15 was not a dream because this experience was not a dream. And what happened with me in between those times were not dreams. They were all very real things that happened. Susie is now convinced that her dreams were actual occurrences, but she continues to keep these suspicions to herself. For more than a year, she struggles, trying to process her experiences alone, until she stumbles across a website linked to John Boudry's. I saw that you could make a report about these things. And one of the questions was if you wanted to speak to somebody about your experience. And I, I checked the box because I thought, well, if it put me in touch with the right people, that I could get some closure on it, that I could get some validation. About three days later, I got a phone call and I spoke in length with John. He was able to provide me with a lot of information. He reassured me that I am indeed not crazy and that these kinds of things have happened. Susie was very genuine, concerned about her anonymity, wanted to have answers, and her story does match in many ways 
what other people report, I found they're totally credible. You're keeping the story to yourself all your life, afraid to say anything to anyone. And then you run across somebody like me or someone that, you know, is open to things. And you finally can open up and you find that, no, you're not crazy. Other people have had these experiences. That's why people at the very end of the conversations often say, geez, thank you, thank you very much for talking to me. Just because there's such a relief to be able to finally talk to someone after holding it in for all these years. It's difficult sometimes to sort through it all, but I'm glad one person at a time to be able to help fellow human beings. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are the encounters reported by Susie and other experiencers actual alien contact? Unless visitors to our planet decide to announce their presence, we may never know for sure. But no matter the truth, these otherworldly visions have been a defining part of Susie's reality and the opportunity to finally talk about them with John has given her a much-needed connection, understanding, and hope. I told my story, thinking that it would just go someplace in a file and be put away. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with it in my own head. I wanted to put it in a file and put it away. And this is the last step of the process of putting this in this file. This is the last time I'm going to do this. This is the last time I am going to tell anybody this story. If it helps somebody, I feel like I've done everything I can do. If there's anything good that I can give to anybody else, it would be that same feeling that I got from John that I am not alone and that they are not alone, and that it's okay, and that you're not crazy. Through his website, aliencontactteam.org, John Boudrys and other committed volunteers continue to provide a private, confidential resource for people who suspect they may have experienced alien contact. If you believe that you have had an encounter with aliens, UFOs, or other unexplained phenomenon, please share your story at unsolved.com. Next on Unsolved Mysteries. I feel like the person that killed Jimmy had been trained to kill in a military style, and that's how Jimmy died. 
with the quarter turned to his neck, they snapped it. It was a short life to be killed at 33. Everybody was shattered when we found out Jimmy had been killed. Unsolved Mysteries is a production of Cosgrove Mural Productions and Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. It is executive produced by Terry Dunn-Muir and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Christine Lenig, Courtney Ennis, and Bill Schultz. The story producer for this episode was Caitlin Cutt, and it was edited by Keith Shea. From Cadence 13, editing, mixing, and mastering by Chris Basil and Andy Jaskowitz. Production support by Sean Cherry, Ian Mont, and Ava Fenneberger. Artwork and design is by Kirk Courtney. Publicity by Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. The original theme music was composed by Gary Malkin and Michael Boyd. Thanks for listening to episode 59 of Unsolved Mysteries.